Canine Cast number 47 is brought to you by Home Again. Home Again ID Microchips at homeagainpets.com. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And hello, everyone. This is Walter with your Canine Cast recap. In case you missed the last Canine Cast, Canine Cast number 46, we had discussion about dog booties and doggy holiday traditions. Plus, we had a dog rules for Christmas. We also released over the holiday weekend Canine Cast video podcast edition number one. So make sure you check out your iTunes or caninecast.com website in case you missed that one. And we've received so much feedback from that first video cast. Um, it sounds like it really, really went over well. So thanks, everybody, so much for writing in and letting us know what you thought and, uh, and all the kind words also. And I also wanted to apologize the last canine cast. We kind of cooked the audio a little bit. Uh, Santa delivered us an early Christmas present of a new mixer and was still kind of learning how to use it at that time. So sorry about that, guys. Hope it sounds better now. Yeah, that that we do, that we do. But um, oh, and speaking of things sounding and of the video cast, I have to say, when I when I saw that it was of course before Walter uploaded it, we sat here and watched it ourselves. Man, I just felt like such a dork <laughs> listening to myself baby talking to the dogs the whole whole entire time. So uh, I hope that that didn't grate on any of your nerves. But of course, the reason why I do that is because the dogs like it and. I just kind of reminded myself that, as I always said in my puppy class, and I always, you know, tell anybody when it, you know, comes to dog training, if you feel like you're completely silly, then you're probably doing it right. That's so, right. Yeah, and I definitely sounded silly, at least to my ears. But we're glad that you all enjoyed that. Um, but, you know, on, on our other note, on today's canine cast, what we're going to do is we're actually going to be talking about lost dogs, specifically um, strategies for what to do um, before your dog gets lost, um, what to do when it gets lost, and then also what to do after it gets lost. I have a lot of information, so it may be a really, really long canine cast. If it runs too long, then what we'll do is we'll split it into two shows. But um, we're going to start by, by talking about, first of all, um, some prevention tips and some preparation tips before going into what you know what you would want to do should your dog actually get lost so um, we have a listener email on the topic so Walter take it away this question comes from Daniel I'd like to ask you on some tips on what to do regarding lost dogs as you mentioned one in three dogs will get lost at some point during its lifetime what do you recommend for us as owners to do in order to prepare for such an event including before during and after I should think that prevention is the best solution, but should a dog get lost, what's a good thing to do? I think this would be an interesting topic to discuss. All right. Well, Daniel, um, you, you said, well, as, as we mentioned, we actually got this statistic from Home Again that one in three dogs will get lost at some point during their lifetime. Um, now, first, what I'd like to go over, you'd asked about what to do before, during, and after a dog gets lost. Before... The two really, really important things that you can do are, first of all, to prepare. Just act as if your dog is going to get lost because you know we never know whose who's is and whose isn't. And no matter how much we try to prevent it, 
you know, dogs can be really great at foiling our plans sometimes. So act as if at some point your dog will get lost and prepare for that. The best way to, to begin doing that is to go ahead and get your dog microchipped if you can. Um, check into that and see if that's available in your area. Um, Home Again Microchips is our sponsor and we think it's an absolutely wonderful, wonderful product. Um, which which is why we're so excited that they are sponsoring us. But because I mean, even even before that was a question, we had were um, discussing the benefits of microchipping, and both of our dogs are microchipped. Our, I I don't think that they were in our house for uh, more than a week or two before we already had the microchip put in them, so that we had some permanent ID in the dogs. It's just so so very important to have that for your dog. So that's the first thing that I would highly recommend that you look into. If it is available in your area, get it done. Now, there is another type of permanent ID. Um, there, there are pros and cons to it, but tattoos have been used for a very long time to help identify dogs and other pets. Now, those can still be used, of course. There are lots of places where they do them. Um, a lot of places where microchips are not yet available, they'll use tattoos. And in some places, even where microchips are available, they'll use that as a second form of permanent identification because you can't really have too much ID on your dog. Now, if you want to look into doing a tattoo, it, it basically uh, works along the same concept as the microchip in that there's some type of a central repository and then the tattoo on the animal can be matched up with the owner through that. Now the tattoo can be a number. Some, some breeders will put numbers on the dogs that they breed or um, some shelters will put uh, numbers on dogs that come in. Normally the breeders that do it, it's, it's normally really, really the, the good reputable breeders are the only ones that I'm aware of that normally do that for, um, for dogs that are going out to um, the general population as pets. But um, so you can get tattoos that will help match you up with your dog. If, that, if that's going to be done, um, if that's something that you are interested in doing to your dog and it's not yet done, what's best is to put it on the dog's inner thigh. It's also very commonly done in the dog's ear. However, um, there are some rather unscrupulous people out there who will steal dogs for various reasons and it's it's not been unknown for them to merely crop the dog's ear off where the tattoo is. Um, on the inner thigh, they can't do that. So um, so if you're going to do a tattoo, um, either, you know, in addition to the microchip, if that's available, or, you know, instead of if that's not available in your area, then go ahead and get that done on the inner thigh. A lot of times you can still get that done by a vet or by a shelter. Um, please do bring it into a professional. This isn't something you want to get done by yourself or by your, you know, your friend who works at a tattoo parlor, that kind of thing, because tattooing an animal is very, very different than tattooing a human. Um, now, I'd mentioned pros and cons of the tattoos. Uh, the, big, the, biggest, the biggest pro, obviously, is that it's permanent identification, so it's another option. The tattoos normally are a number or a specific, a specific symbol, like um, the SPCA, before they have microchips available, would oftentimes tattoo an S on an animal, so if they got it back, then they knew that they had um, prior information about it, for example. Um, in any case, though, um, the cons of the tattoos are, number one, in animals with longer hair, and a lot of them do have longer hair, or even thick hair if it's short, 
that can grow over the tattoo and make it difficult to read. And that's so. funny because you figured the long-haired dogs would be the ones who'd be getting tattoos in the first place. So, And that is because... Because rock stars have long hair. Okay. <laughs> in any case, um, they, the hair can actually cover the tattoo. And so it has to be either shaved or moved out of the way in order to read. So it can become difficult to read. And in addition to that, um, a dog that's, that's lost is in an unfamiliar circumstance. Um, may be, it may be kind of difficult to even check to see if there is a tattoo, let alone actually read it. So, um, you know, as I said, you know, the more identification, the better. But, you know, just so that you know um, some of the pros and cons about that particular one, the most, um, the most well-known type of ID, of course, is dog tags. We've talked about this before as well, that, um, you know, it's great because people can immediately see it. However, it can come off. So I highly recommend that you have your dog wear their tags all the time. Um, however, I do recommend that you have at least one form of um, permanent identification as well for backup. Um, the microchip, if it's available. Um, if not, then you know the tattoo would be um, the next the next best thing. So um, on the dog's tags, I actually have a suggestion that I picked up from from a friend who's been training dogs for decades now. Um, and what she recommended was instead of the dog's name, you can actually put on there needs medicine. Now, the reason, the reason why you do that is, number one, um, some people, again, uh, some unscrupulous people may, you know, look at your dog's name on the tag, use your dog's name, and when the dog responds to the name, you know, if anybody else asks, they may use that as evidence that the dog is indeed theirs. But even more important, um, if somebody thinks that your dog needs medicine, they are going to be much less likely to steal the dog, which people unfortunately do. And also, they will feel an even more urgent need to get the dog back to you. Because, I mean, you know, peop you know most, most people do mean well and, um, you know, will help out the dog or at least, you know, take it to the shelter or something. But the difference, the, the difference is, you know, a person may feel like it's okay to wait a day or two with it thinks the dog is fine. Whereas if the dog needs medication, the person doesn't know what the medication is. Um, number one, for the dog's health, they'll want to get it back to you quicker. And number two, so that, you know, nothing crazy happens with the dog while the dog is with them, it'll and, want to get back to you. And our dogs actually do need medicine, so... That's that's true. Actually, most people's dogs do do indeed need medicine. Um, if, you, if you consider such things as that most dogs need um, heartworm, um, heartworm uh, guards and also guards against fleas, ticks, and that kind of thing. And in most cases, that's monthly. And it, and it is absolutely vital that the dogs get those and don't miss their doses. So, you know, so not, not only is it a good idea to put it on there, it's absolutely true. So um, next, so long as we're talking about tags, make sure that the tag info is current. That goes also, of course, for um, the microchips or the tattoos. If there's a central, you know, database or repository for those, make sure that your information in there is always current in um, the company's database, as well as on your dog's tag. Because, you know, if somebody finds your dog and they, you know, that's great. And if they call the number, that's great. But if that number was two numbers ago for you, then that's not nearly so helpful. Um, in addition, for the dog's tag info, as um, at least, but this, you know, is a good idea for for the central databases as well if they allow you to give them more than one number 
try to include a mobile phone number in case you're not home when the dog is found. Um, that could be because the dog got out while you were away, or it could be because, hey, you're out looking for your dog because your dog's lost when somebody finds it and calls you. So, um, so make sure to include needs medicine, um, at least one mobile phone number. It's always great, of course, to have a backup number as well. Um, we don't recommend putting your address on the dog's tag or anywhere else where that information will be given out. Um, just, just because, you know, it keeps you a little bit safer. The telephone um, will allow you to kind of um, decide how, how and when you're going to meet somebody who may have your dog. So I know with microchips from the several times that I've called using the microchip information that I found on the dog's collar, it, they will not give out the address registered with the microchip when you call to find out, you know, how can I reunite this dog with the owner? They've connected me with people without giving me the phone number. They've given me the phone number, depending on the circumstances. And uh, each time it's it's been, it, it's worked. But um, that's another case where you might want to consider giving your, your mobile phone as well when you register with your microchip. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, and it's the same, it's the, the same thing that they want to keep you safe. So that's why they don't give out the addresses. And, um, and as Walter mentioned, in some cases with the microchips, they will give the person your number so that the person can contact you and other ones. Um, they, you know, if, if your dog is lost, they will have the person who finds your dog act, um, or they will have you actually contact the person who found your dog. So um, it just works different ways. But in, in any of those ways, of course, the, you know, the people at the microchip company or the people with your dog need to contact you to let you know where your dog is and who it's with. And the only way they can do that is if they have your phone number. So, so you want to keep that current. Other things that you, that you really, really want to keep current are your dog's um, shots and registration, along with the tag that actually has your phone number and the little, you know, needs medicine identification on it. Make sure that your dog is wearing its rabies tag um, and or its registration. In some places, that'll be two different tags. In some places, it's the same tag. However, number, number one, um, that can be a nice thing because in some places, they can actually um, reunite you with your dog using that registration number that would be on the tag. So that's one more way that you and your dog may be reunited. Um, also, um, make sure that your, that your vet tag is on there, if possible, because somebody may be able to call your vet, and your vet may be able to use the registration tag to reunite you with your dog. But um, even, even more important than all of that is that there is some type of identification on your dog, if at all possible, that it does indeed have its rabies shot. Because if there is a rabies concern in your area, in some cases, depending on, um, on how big the concern is or how, how dangerous it is, um, animals that are found without proof of, of rabies shots are put down almost immediately. Um, and that's, you know, it, it's, it's really sad. It's not to be mean. It's, you know, it's, it's a li you know, not a liability issue, but a, a, you know, public safety issue. So it's understandable, but at the same time, it's heartbreaking and can, you know, be avoided by keeping that tag on your animal. Uh, and also, of course, keeping the rabies shots current. So that is so very important. Make sure to do that, um, you know, work with your vet to do that every single year. Now, in, in addition to all of that, all of that good stuff, 
always keep current pictures of your dog handy. And it seems like our listeners are so great at sending in pictures of their dog that I think this one they have, for the most part, under control. Uh, it seems that they like taking pictures of their dogs almost as much as we do. If it does have a particular marking, you'll want to take a picture of that as well to help identify your dog um, as opposed to all the other ones that may look very, very similar. And you can, of course, keep those special pictures in, a, in some type of a file so that you have them ready whenever you may need them. Um, in addition, a really smart thing to do now is also to, um, to teach your dog to come to a dog whistle. So that way, if your dog does start to take off and you see it, um, you can go ahead and whistle for your dog and it'll come back. And the reason why I say a whistle, of course you want to teach your dog to come to you when called. I'm very, very big on the, the recall command or, you know, telling your dog to come to you when you call it. But with a dog whistle, that will actually carry to your dog um, over a farther distance than just your voice will. And you're talking about these, like, mysterious little metal things that we can't hear when we blow onto them? Exactly, exactly. First of all, the sound of it, for some reason, tends to be pretty attractive to dogs. But also, as with anything else, if you pair that with positive things, like every single time your dog hears this special whistle, it gets special treats, something to that effect, then, um, you know, you can, you can go ahead and use the whistle to get, to get it to come to you. And then finally, in preparation, and this may actually be one of the biggest ones, Introduce everyone in your neighborhood that you possibly can to your dog. Now, if you live in a friendly neighborhood, then that makes it, you know, even even so much the better. But even even if you live somewhere where people kind of keep to themselves, for some reason, people tend to be very, very open to interacting with dogs, especially friendly dogs. So really, really take advantage of that. Introduce them to your dogs. Um, you know, let them make friends with your dog if your dog is friendly. Um, and then they will first they will first of all know your dog so they'll so they'll know if they see this dog out there that you know it's it's yours and where to to bring it home and also that it shouldn't be out but in addition if they know your dog and they're comfortable with your dog they're going to be much more likely to approach your dog if they see it out and even better your dog is much more likely to approach them and then of course that makes it easier for them to get a hold of your dog and we can definitely attest to that one because, as we've mentioned before, Toby and Kyler have gotten out. And I'd say 90% of the time, it was the neighbors in the immediate area who'd met the dogs and known the dogs that had recovered them. Yeah, that, that's, de that's definitely the case. And that actually may be why, even though, even though we did go through a stint, and it, they didn't get out that many times. It was just a lot of times for us, particularly because we, you know, you know, our heart stopped every single time that we got a call that they were out. Um, but but every time one of our neighbors knew the dogs, they were friendly with the dogs, and the dogs would just come right up to them to come say hi and play. The neighbors would just kind of you know casually get their collar and call us. So it was it was never a big deal, and luckily they never really got lost. Um, largely because you know our basically our dogs are friends with the neighbors already so that's that's a really really important one um, go ahead you know take take advantage of you know all the people around you well don't take advantage of them but take advantage of the fact that um, they're probably gonna like interacting with your dogs and probably be very willing to help you out if you should need it and of course you know of course if they do you know be very appreciative and you know, cookies or, or a thank you cards, and that kind of thing goes a long way as well, especially if you go through a stint where your dog gets out 
three or four times. Yeah, I think at one point <laughs> we brought them flowers. We were like, oh, thank you so much. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. And of course, their kids are like, no, don't take the dogs. The dogs can come visit any time. Yeah, for, for, that, for them, it was like their, their own treat. They got to play with the dogs. But, you know, at what, whatever the case may be. Um, so those, those are different things that you can do to prepare for, um, you know, for, for the possibility of your dog maybe getting out and getting lost. Now, in addition to that, there are a lot of prevention steps that are very, very important. Um, I don't, I'd already mentioned, um, you know, teaching your dog to come to you when called is important so that if your dog does happen to get a little bit away from you, you can immediately call them back. However, always do your very, very best to keep your dog in a confined area or on a leash whenever they're outside. And, um, you know, by confined area, of course, I just mean, you know, some, some type within some type of a fence where they can't just go off gallivanting without you being able to get them back. Um, you know, a, you know, a tennis court or baseball diamond with a fence around it would, you know, it's fine. Um, but also while they're outside, supervise them as much as possible. Um, I mean, even if, you know, even if your dog is, is wonderful and would never, ever, you know, leave your side or your yard, as I've mentioned before, there are some very, very unsavory characters out there, and it is not unheard of for people to steal a dog right out of the dog's fenced-in yard. Um, and as a matter of fact, we, ha we have some friends where that happened in their neighborhood. There was a dog that was lost, and the, the people in asking about it come to find out there were some suspicious characters that were that were trying to get other people's dogs and um and did actually get somebody so it it, it does happen we want to help keep it you know as rare as possible by watching your dogs when they're outside um and in addition of course you know in your own yard make your pet fence as pet proof as possible but one important way for you to do that is if you're outside supervising your dog, they're much less likely to escape. And of course, you know, we, we realize that, you know, in a lot of cases, it's infeasible to be out there with them each and every time. And, you know, heaven, heaven knows that we've had that, too, because if, we, you know, if we had been out there, Kyler probably wouldn't have been able to get out. But the more that you're out there with them, the better it is for them and the less you have to worry about them becoming lost or stolen. Um, along with that, also be very careful with who you trust to supervise your dog outside. And even people that you consider very trustworthy, make sure that the first couple of times that you have them watch your dog in a, in a situation where your dog is outside, that you not only explain to them, you know, whatever the situation is with your particular dog and your dog's quirks, but that you're there with them while they're watching your dog, just because, um, you know, if you have, if you have somebody whose dog, you know, never ever would dream of digging out of a fence, then they just take it for granted that their dog can go outside and they don't have to watch their dog all that closely. Whereas, you know, your dog, if, if you're lucky like us, will take out from under the fence in 30 seconds if you're not watching, you know, watching the dog every second and making sure that it doesn't spend too much time at any one part of the fence. And they, they may just not be used to that. I mean, of course, they don't want to lose your dog, but they're used to whatever their dogs normally do. So, um, so, make, so make sure that you kind of um, help acclimate them to your dog's routine before you let them, say, maybe, um, maybe pet sit for you or just, you know, go outside with your dog if you happen to both you know, be there visiting on one particular day. Um, now, those are some things to do outside to prevent your dog getting out. But even inside, you're not totally safe. Um, the reason why I say this is because you are going to want to prevent your dog running out the door. 
And again, even dogs that normally, you know, normally would never leave your side and have never made any move towards running out of the door can, under different circumstances, surprise you. Or, in the case of my parents' dog, Zelda, just would run out the door every single time the door was open. Yep. Yep. Some will, some will do that, too. It's just they, they get this bug. They want to go. I guess they want to go outside and see where we're going all the time. I don't know. But um, in, in, in any case, you will want to take some, some pretty simple steps, actually, to prevent that. And the best time to start that is the moment that your dog first comes home. And, you know, for any of you who are not doing this yet, then now is a great time to start. What you're going to want to do is pick a spot that's far enough away from the door that you can catch them or catch the door and close it real quick if they do decide to make a break for it. And the best is if there's some type of a like dividing line that they can see. For example, in our old house, we had a sunken living room and the, the door to outside was actually in the living room. So what we did is our line was at the, um, at the dining room right before the step down into the sunken living room. That was the dog's line. And before anybody came in or out of the house, the dogs had to be behind that line. They had to be in that dining room and they had, you know, and they had to stay there. So every single time that we left the house or that somebody came in the house or that somebody else left that house, we had the dogs stay there. Of course, it'll take some time and some work training them with this and you don't want to train them while you're running out the door on your way somewhere. But go ahead and train them to do that, you know, one day while you're actually at home just spending some time with them. And it's well worth it because, first of all, it will make it a lot less hectic as you're trying to leave because they already know where their little spot is. Um, it'll also make it less hectic when you come home if you have them sit there as well because that way they're not jumping all over you at the door. They're just kind of sitting there excitedly a foot or two away um, for you to come over so they can say hi. Um, but that's but that's a great way to help keep them from running out the door as well. You will want to train them to do that for you. You will also want to, as a completely separate training idea, train them to do that for other people that come in and out of your house. So enlist the help of friends, neighbors, family members, whoever comes over, and just kind of tell them what you're doing. And most most of them will be happy to kind of trot in and out the door a couple of times to help you out with that. Until such time as your dog is used to that and will just kind of go be behind their dividing line, be sure that whenever other people are going to be entering or leaving your home that you watch your dog. Try to distract your dog from the person coming or going. Just do something totally different from them. Again, far enough away from the door that you can catch them if they do decide to run out. And um, bar, you know, if that doesn't work, if they're just too distracted by the person, then um, just you know, just go ahead and restrain them. Just kind of grab their collar and um, you know, hold on to them until the person's gone. Um, last but not least, so far as preventing your dog from going out and roaming, um, spaying and neutering. Of course, as as you all know, I'm a huge fan of that. In any case, just because it's healthier for your dog and you know, better for dog overpopulation in the world, but. In addition, so far as your dog getting lost, your dog is much less likely to go wandering if it is already spayed or neutered. Um, you know, one of one of one of the it's almost cliche the uh, the intact male dog wandering around looking for the female in heat. But the reason why is because it really really does happen, and a dog that is perfectly behaved under other circumstances can smell um, a, a female and heat far, far away and, you know, may 
just get crazy and decide to go for it. So please do, you know, if you haven't already spay or neuter your dog, and that'll help to keep them safe and sound at home as well. So I'm, I'm looking at our time here, and it's getting to be kind of a long show. So what we'll doing is we, um, what we'll do is we, you know, we've talked a lot today. I've given you a lot of things to think about so far as preparing, um, you know, for in case your dog does get out, as well as helping to prevent them from, you know, getting out and getting lost. So we'll just go ahead and cut it off here, and next time we'll talk about um, some things to do if your dog actually does get lost as well as for what to do after your dog does come home. So thanks so much for joining us. And um, I, you know, I've given you some prevention tips, but if any of our listeners have their own prevention tips that they you know, love to use, you know, by all means, please send them in and we'll be happy to share them with our listeners because you know, we, we, we all really wanna keep our dogs at home. So you know, the more strategies that we have to prevent a dog getting lost, the better that it is. So thanks everybody. And, you know, and of course on that tip, you know, we love, we love getting all kinds of stories and questions and pictures from you guys, including the pictures that you're going to have because you're preparing. So, you know, please continue to send those in as well. And now we're going to take a break so that you can hear a word from our wonderful sponsor, Home Again Microchip. If you don't already have your dog microchipped, please take that preparation step um, right away. As a bloodhound, I have a pretty good sense of smell. Right now, I can smell a seven-ounce fillet with hollandaise sauce about four miles from here. Mmm, I love fillet. I think I'll go see if they have any left over. You don't think your dog will run away? Your dog might think differently. One in three pets will get lost. Without ID, 90% won't return home. That's why vets recommend the Home Again Microchip, a safe, permanent ID that can bring your pet home. Talk to your vet about Home Again and visit homeagainpets.com. And thanks to our sponsor, Home Again. And finally, we have listener pictures. And these come in from Stacy. She sent in pictures of her dog, Flipper, who turned seven in January. And she thinks that he's probably a Border Collie Australian Shepherd mix. And she sent in a picture of him showing off his leave it command as her two-year-old daughter teases him with a train she made of milk bones. And next up is Flipper showing how we use up herding dog energy. She says that after she trained him not to pull on a leash, she taught him to pull on the little red wagon in the picture that her daughter likes to ride. And then there's a really cute picture of Flipper and her daughter in the wagon. And finally... The obligatory holiday picture of Flipper wearing a Santa hat and also a festive collar. Yes, very, very cute. We're getting it in, in there just after the holidays. So, And, al- and also, um, Stacy is a trainer at a wagon train in her, in her area there in San Jose, California. So in one of the pictures, you can see the actual sign for that. We thought that was pretty neat as well. So thanks for sending those in to us, Stacy. We love getting pictures of, of our listeners' dogs as well as listeners themselves and their families. And, you know, seeing them integrate the dogs and the families is always a very, very special thing. So, um, you know, please keep sending those in. We love to share them with our listeners. And, of course, you can get the information for where to send these at the end of the show. Um, in addition, we love getting listener emails with feedback, stories, questions, and you can send those in email form or actually in voicemail form. 
that'll be there for you at the end of this show as well. And actually, we're just about there. Thanks for joining us again and for listening. We'll talk to you again next time. And until then, if you haven't already, please spay or neuter your dog. It's the best thing you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about CanineCast, please send an email to caninecast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voicemail at 206-338-DOGS. And you can leave a comment on our website at caninecast.com.